Welcome to Deprogrammed on Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Laren, with my co-host, Carrie Smith. As always, Carrie, say hello. Hello. Hi, guys. Uh, as always, you can follow the show at Unsafe Show on Twitter. You can go to youtube.com slash unsafe space. And I don't know, we have Facebook pages and stuff like that. And Carrie will yell at me later for not advertising those properly. Um, Today, we have uh, a really cool guest. I'd like to welcome Tom Golden. Tom's the author. Uh, he's an author and a psychotherapist who has specialized in working with men and boys. He's written three books on the unique ways that men and boys heal and has given workshops in Europe, Australia, the US, and Canada. His work has been featured on CBS Evening News, CNN, New York Times, The Washington Post, and many others. He recently appeared in the Red Pill movie, which, by the way, if you haven't seen it, it's an awesome movie. You should go see it. Uh, and he and, and he can be found at menaregood.com and on Twitter at trgolden. He also has a YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com slash the number one, menaregood, the number one. Um, Tom's biggest sin, as far as I can tell, is thinking that men are good. So, Tom, uh, <laughs> welcome to Deprogrammed, you horrible sinner. I'm a sinner indeed. <laughs> So we we did a uh, we did a show a little while ago about this horrific document. I don't know if anyone can see. This is the uh, the American Socio Psychological Association guidelines for the psychological practice with boys and men. Um, but you know we're lay people and we don't have experience uh, helping helping men and boys in therapy. And you do. And you were actually on the mailing list and kind of uh, involved at some point, I guess, with the Division Fifty One which is who, who published this um, and have a unique perspective. So before I trash it, um, <laughs> why don't you tell us where this came from, what your thoughts are on it um, as, as someone who's an expert here? Well, you know, I first met Division 51 in 2007 or 8, I think something like that. And they welcomed me in, you know, because a couple of them had read my first book and, and uh, they liked it and they introduced me. And it was all well and good until I started saying things like men are good. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and that's when we kind of fell apart. And uh, they, they are a strictly feminist group. In fact, if you say anything negative about feminism, uh, you are chastised for it. And if you look at their mission statement, it clearly says that we owe a debt to feminist scholarship. You know, because wow. it, it has exposed all the oppression that these men have done for for decades, and so, you know, we didn't get along really well um, because I was kind of a male friendly guy, and I don't see them as male friendly even a little bit. You no, know? I, you called them. Uh, you basically oh. said it was misandry. I think I, I yeah, heard you say. Yeah, it that's a nice way to put it. Actually, you know, that's <laughs> a nice way. They they. Um, They've got their own way of seeing things. And to me, it's like this. They're only seeing the feminist ideas and they, they can't see anything else. And there's been so much, Carter, that's happened in the last 15 years about men and boys and psychological stuff. I mean, it's just incredible what's going on. I mean, the little things like the testosterone flood. I'll bet you've probably never heard of the testosterone flood. I, I've actually mm -hmm. have because I've read a little oh. bit. I know about the 2D40 thing. 2D40. Uh, that's right. Uh, and that you know, 2D40 I, comes from that testosterone flood that happens in utero for little boys. And yeah. sometimes, actually, for little girls. But this changes the brain. It changes everything. In fact, they know now that that flood, the testosterone flood, sensitizes 
the um, receptors in the brain for testosterone so that later in life, the boys are going to, when they get testosterone, bing, you know, they're going to really vibrate. When the girls get it, it's probably not going to be quite as strong because those receptors. Interesting. Interesting. All sorts. Can you just I mean, define what that is for people who aren't familiar with it? Define what, what is, what? Carrie? The testosterone flood? Well, about two months in utero. So the mom is two months pregnant. And the little baby is about yay big. I mean, it's tiny, right? But what happens is there's this flood of testosterone that's primarily, I think it's testosterone made by the mother. And this flood literally floods the baby boy. And it's the first of three floods of that boys get of testosterone. And this flood has the most effect, I think, on the brain and what's happening in the brain. And there's been some great work done by, what's his name, Simon Baron Cohen on... Um, what this testosterone does to the brain. And what he's concluded is that this changes the male brain into what he calls a systemizing brain, mm. where boys and men are interested in systems, how things work, taking things apart, putting things together. And the girls are more interested in relationship kinds of things. Now, this is not a black and white. It's not like, you know, one pile of boys and one pile of girls. It's not like that at all. It's a lot of gray. But in general, boys are going to be more interested in the system stuff. And there's just all sorts of things. Now, the, there's three floods. The first one is there in utero. The second one is right after birth. They found that boys are flooded with testosterone again. And they do not know much about it, but they're starting to study it. And it lasts about a month or two. And you'll notice any parent who's had a little baby boy, right about when, after they're first born, what happens? He's got a little erection. Bing! That's, that's the <laughs> testosterone. You change that diaper and bing! You know, and that's what's happening. He's being flooded with testosterone again. Of course, the third flood happens when the boys are, are uh, you know, in puberty. Right, so. right. And you even mentioned that, um, that uh, testosterone uh, changes how oxytocin mitigates uh, cortisol levels. So when you're under stress, you react. You, what, how oxytocin affects you depends yes. on your testosterone levels. Yes. So yes. it affects women and men differently, which is fascinating yes. to me. Yeah, that was great. That's from the Shelley Taylor research of uh, 2002, I think, where she found that you know she studied stress and she was curious about well. Women have never really been studied. All this stuff with fight or flight is men being studied. I'm only going to study women, and let's see what it looks like. And sure enough, she studied only women, and she came to the conclusion that women don't fight or flight. Women tend and befriend. They hmm. tend and befriend. Translated means women move towards interaction when they're stressed, whereas men and boys will move towards either action or inaction, solitude, right? Now think about it, right. just that one little bit of research has a huge impact on how any therapist is gonna treat boys and men. I mean, yep. because most therapists are gonna expect the boys and men to act exactly like the girls do. They're gonna, because therapy and the training for therapy is based on trying to teach therapists how to help women. <laughs> you know? Interesting. Literally. I mean, it's like, oh God, when I first started working, I got, I got this caseload of men and I, I did it. I got this caseload because all the women, I was the only guy there, right? All the women say, oh, Golden Candle, he's a guy. Give him the men. So I get all these men, right? And it's like, ah, I didn't know what to do because the women that I saw in therapy 
I could do what I was taught in graduate school. You sit and you face each other and make good, good eye contact. And you talk about the past and you talk about feelings. But when I tried that with men, it didn't work the same way. <laughs> Did not work the same way. And I realized, oh my gosh, you know, I'm doing something wrong here. And so that took me on a long journey to try and find out how are men and boys different? And the Shelley Taylor material is just so important because when you're working with a man in therapy, you do not want to say, what are you feeling today? Much better to ask him, what are you doing? You know, where are you going? What are you thinking about? You know, because that's some, that's where he harmonizes. That's where he feels comfortable and safe, you know? Yeah. And there's, I mean, I, look, I'm not a therapist, but I, when I read your weight, the way men heal book and I, and I got to say, I thought, Anyone who wants to work with men, that should be that's a way better guideline than this APA crap, right? I mean, <laughs> that was like it just some of it just blew my mind. I mean, your observation, I'll just I'll just say personally, two things that really stuck stood out to me. One is your observation that men view eye contact as a, a dominance hierarchy challenge. Right. Uh, was like, oh yeah, totally. Right. So that doesn't make me want to talk about my feelings. Right. And the second was um. You know, you had an example of a someone. Um, I guess it was the their their parent had died, their father died, or whatever. And and you made this comment that well, most men would probably be uh, happier building the casket than uh, standing yeah. in the corner and like talking about it. Yeah, and it, that really resonated with me as well. I thought I had never thought that way before, but I realized, yeah. Yes. I'd rather like get together with people that knew him and build the casket. Exactly. And that just seems like a, a way better way to process. And it just never occurred to me yes. because as a non-therapist, I just assume therapy is what we see on TV. You know, we see Tony Soprano go in and then uh, <laughs> sit down with his therapist and and speak to her face to face, among other things uh, with Tony. Yes. But, um, you know, that's yeah. the model. Yes. And, uh, I, I, you know, your book, your book to me uh, they should have started with that book instead of uh, what they did start with the, with the APA guidelines. So let's get back to that. Where did these guidelines kind. come from? Oh my gosh. They come from division 51. And well, I, looked well, well, the, like, I looked at the authors on there and I knew probably half of them and I knew the way these guys think. And so I'm not surprised when I read through those guidelines, because that's literally the way they think. That's what they think is right. And this is a very, very bright group. You know, these psychologists on the APA Division 51 list are bright people. They're very intelligent people. But from my perspective, they're seeing things through a blinder. They're not able to see things outside their own little ideology. You know, the, the, the stuff like the Shelley Taylor material, you know, they the, the testosterone flood. And there's probably 10 or 15 more things like that that they simply will not accept. And I spent, you know, a year on that mailing list talking with them about these different things until they finally kicked me out, you know? Right. And they you weren't the only out. one. I think you said some other guy <laughs> was banned for being a male victim of violence too much. Yes. Uh, yeah, the guy before first. me that got kicked out, who I stood up for, and that's why I think they wanted to kick me out because I stood up for him. And uh, he, they repeatedly said, we can't have him here because he talks too much about male victims of domestic violence. Wow. So <laughs> what? So to borrow some of their language, so basically you guys got in trouble because you were centering maleness when talking about men. 
That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> they, they say centering. They're, they use that language a lot. But yeah, you were centering maleness when you should have been centering femaleness and talking right, exactly. about Exactly. There you go. <laughs> That's about And you right. said actually you had people express to you that um, they they kind of wanted to secretly support you, but they were afraid to post anything or, or yeah. say anything in the professional circles because they were worried about their career. Yeah, they were afraid to post to the actual mailing list because these guys on that mailing list are very, very, they're the top people. They're the people who the media calls, you know, to ask questions about psychological stuff. And they also have um, some jurisdiction over APA and over licenses and things like that. Who knows? But these guys would write and they'd say, thank you for standing up for men and boys, but I can't really support you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can't support you because if I did, I'd lose my job. Yeah. So what does that tell us? That tells us that these people are bullies. Mm -hmm. You know, they're bullies. Absolutely. They're not able really to see a different perspective. They're not able to, to tolerate someone who's got a different perspective. They're going <laughs> to throw them out. Oh, so I was lucky because I'm in private practice. I mean, they can't do too much to me. Mm -hmm. and what are they going to do to me? But uh, these other yeah. people, I, I feel bad for them. These other psychologists who just get, you know, thrown under the bus if they look like they're supporting men. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a crazy place. You wrote, so I got to say, as a, as a lay person, um, <clears throat> especially, I guess, as a man, uh, but I imagine Carrie may feel the same way. As a layperson, I look at the APA guidelines and I'm horrified that someone's going to read them and apply them um, because it just seems like the absolute worst way to, um, to, uh, to try and help men. And you wrote, uh, I think I'm quoting, the, uh -oh. you said, the basic unvarnished theory is that masculinity is the source of our problems and that men need to learn to be more mature, which is code for men need to act more like women. Yes. And you actually said people said that explicitly. Yeah, there was a couple people who basically said that very thing. You know, I can't quote them exactly, but the idea, you know, the general idea was that, it, you know, you better be more like women because the world is going to be a better place as soon as we can get the men to act more like women. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, this is the truth, you know. That's the way to help men, to, to eradicate them. Basically. Well, yeah, because the masculine stuff is something wrong with them. Yeah. And, um, Can, well, let's get into the history of that, because I, I also read an article you wrote about um, the conformity to masculine norms inventory that uh, Mahalik um, yeah. proposed. And I was I was also just like de the article was disturbing to learn the history here. Do you, do you want to give us a, a quick overview of of the masculine norms you had? You had a problem with four in particular, but yeah, do you mind giving us a quick overview of, of what yeah, you wrote there? I'd be happy to. You know, the. What's it called? The C N M I C M N I. Yeah. yeah. Conformity to masculine, Conformity norms, masculine inventory. norms inventory. And yeah. it's this inventory that tries to look at what are the norms for men and how do men conform or not conform to those norms and good idea. But if you look at the norms they came up with, you got to scratch your head because one of the norms was um, men are violent. <laughs> Yeah, one of the norms was men want to control women, uh -uh. power and control over women. Uh, men disdain homosexuality, and men are playboys. They listed those as norms for men. And it's like, I read that, I went, what? Are you kidding me? Where did the guy get this? So the article that I wrote and that you read, I, I think, is about my response to that. And I started getting in touch with Mahalik and emailing him. 
and asking yep. him, where did he get these ideas? Where did he get the idea that that a norm is is violence or the norm is is uh, power over women or playboy? And so he wrote me back and he gave me two articles to look at. He said, these will help you understand where I got these ideas. And I'm convinced that he gave me those two articles. They were pretty long, thinking that I would never take the time to read those and that I'd just drop it, right? No, he doesn't know Trust me. Trust me, there are sources. No yes. way. But here, here are the sources. But he didn't know me very well because I read the whole thing and I wrote him back and I said, you know, there's nothing in there that explains to me how you would choose those four norms. And then he said, I forget what it was, but he said, and well, there's this book that he used to get the Playboy norm. And I said, okay, what's the name of the book? So he gave me the title and I looked it up, Out of Print. <laughs> so that didn't stop me. I found, one. I found one. And sure enough, it listed Playboy as one of the norms for men. But it was 1% of men had chosen it as a norm. <laughs> I read it back and said, wait a minute. The source you gave me says that you shouldn't use that as a norm, not that you should. And that's what the paper's about, this back and forth, you know, mm -hmm. between he and I and about what he did. And then, you know, then you, to make matters worse, he wrote another one called the Conformity to Feminine Norms Inventory about women and girls and about how they conform or don't conform to norms in our culture. Wait, what now, are our norms? Well, your alls are all good. Don't worry, Carrie. Exactly. Sugar and spice and everything so, nice. Exactly right. And before I read it, I thought, you know, maybe this guy's just being tough in general. He's going to be tough both on the men and the women. And I thought, you know, he could write something about um, relational violence or about mean girls or about, you know, all kinds of things that is gossipy stuff. I mean, manipulation. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I thought, wow, let me have a look. So I looked at it and, oh, no, it's all sugar and spice. Caretaking. Caretaking. <laughs> nurturing yeah i have the list it's uh yeah nice in relationships thinness modesty domestic care for children romantic relationships sexual fidelity and investment in appearance wow yeah. so, oh, yay women. Nice, right? so <laughs> on division 51 i wrote a message i said okay here are the two lists of norms for male and female my sense is that the males list is much harder on the men and he's much more negative about men, but on women, he goes easy. They all said, no, it's the same. It's the same for both of those lists. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going, oh, what? Okay. Yes. yes. Violence and nice in relationships are, are the same thing. Right. And that's how <laughs> the blinders are on so tight that they literally cannot see it. You know, I don't think that these are evil people. I think they just simply can't see things because they're so brainwashed with the feminist stuff. It's just, Carter, that's my take on it anyway. Yeah. Carter and I talk about this a lot and we disagree once in a while on it because I believe, um, well, I came from Because I have system. a power dominance uh, desire over Carrie. <laughs> you bet. That's the main reason. <laughs> that form. So. But I believe that there are well-meaning people in this ideology. Like you're saying, they're not evil. It's right. just that they uh, have been convinced that this is the best way to that the primary purpose in life is to change the world, to make it a better place. And the way that yep. this is the way to do this is to push yes. this belief system. Yes. And so they think they're being a good person by Correct. believing this stuff and spreading it. There are you people in it, I think who are bad, but I, I don't I, think it's all of them. Too. 
Yeah, I, I don't know, I but I, th I think there's a level of intellectual dishonesty that's necessary to receive the lists from Tom and not bother <laughs> to look into them and just nod your head and be like, yeah, they're both good. They're the same. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm with you on that, Carter. I mean, it's yeah. like there's a split here, and I'm, I guess I'm down the middle with both of you. But, geez, <laughs> I mean, it's just you can't make this stuff up, you know? It's crazy. Well, they do so, have I mean, just to, can I cite some numbers? You also cited like, <laughs> I, this is brilliant, right? You you said they they picked violence as a, as a masculine norm, right? Right. And you just you used some publicly available data. So, 0.18 percent of men were arrested for violent crimes. Okay, so that's a pretty small percentage we're going to use as as a norm, right? But basically, the same percentage of women uh, abuse children. So. You'd think that child abuse would be a female norm because that's the standard mathematically that we've set is 0.18%. Um, right. But of course, that's not included. Um, and you also go on to talk about, I found this fascinating as I want to get into history if we've got a little bit, I think we have a little bit more time here. Um, you showed what masculine norms were. I've got a chart here in front of me from yes. 1970, 78, 84, 86, 2003. And basically prior to 1990, there was a different view. Can you talk a little bit about the history and, and how those evolved over time? Because that also was disturbing and fascinating to me. Yeah, it is fascinating, isn't it? I When I first ran into the conformity to masculine norms inventory, I wondered, you know, well, what has been the history of this? What's the history of norms for men? And so I looked it up and I found the, the movers and shakers of the masculine norms for the past, I guess it was about 50 years. Is that what it is? Goes back about 50? Uh, yeah, 1970. So yeah, about 50 years. 70, yeah, it's almost 50 now. How about that? 1970, yeah, years. 50 years ago. Jeez, crazy. <laughs> um, so I, I started studying, you know, what were these lists before and came up with that chart? And you can read those off. I mean, the, the, the masculine norms before I thought were more accurate you yeah know? so 1970 it was uh there was four listed and it was independent style of achievement yeah competency yeah incompetency in feminine activities right. and suppressing emotion eh, right neutral maybe right yeah. by 1978 i think it was a little bit uh better they added one they had active dominant in relationships achievement oriented level-headed self-contained like none of these are Right. They're not bad. There's nothing They're like close. violence and disdain. They're yeah. Close. And they they you go on there, they talk about leadership, you know. And yeah, then then they add leadership by 1986. They add leadership, willing right. to take risks, willing to take a stand, strong personality, assertive. Like, okay, those are those are good. Yeah. Um and but then we get to the violence and uh and actually even even the disdain for homosexuality, you pointed out it's just I guess I want to just step back for, for lay people. I think average people think that there's um, some level of intellectual honesty slash objectivity here. And they also think that there's the scientific method or at least a reasonable attempt to follow um, standard practices to be objective. And neither one of those things are true. You went on and talked about both how um, the focus groups were were constituted to uh, are constituted in order to to come up with these norms and you talked about like for the disdain for homosexuality you found you identified the questions they used and none of them are about disdain for homosexuality they were all right. about like right. how would you feel if someone thought you were gay it was all like a violation of your own identity like well if, if you yes. don't identify as gay you would probably be upset if someone thought you were gay and like that yeah. doesn't mean you disdain homosexuals right so it's it's totally dishonest i would go on with that 
What's going on with that? So, so I don't mean to I rant. I should use your time to talk, uh, have you talk. Not no, myself, man, but, uh, you're, you're singing my song. I mean, I, I don't have the article right in front of me. And so you're kind of. So well, can I you have tell a question. Us? Quick question. Oh, go ahead. Go so, ahead, Carrie. So you guys just talked about how in the 70s, the norms listed for men were these more positive yes. uh, parts of masculinity. At what point did it change? When well, did it, it start dropped, to be? It dropped off the cliff in 2008, was it? When the CMF 2003, when Mahalik did his, uh, okay. his, yeah, yeah, but went, you also talk about the 1995 ooh. book from McConnell uh, that <laughs> caused the problems, yeah. And, and Carrie will be oh, fascinated about the, yeah. the gender of this person as well. Like, this, there's a story here, it's it's insane to me. Can you Again, talk about that? You can't make things up, you know, it's just too hard to believe. But there's this, um, woman named Connell. Ray Wynn Connell, who actually wrote the book that most academes rely on about masculinity. And uh, Ray Wynn uh, decided that um, there were all sorts of hegemonic masculinities that showed that men were XYZ. And pretty much what I found was that it looked like Mahalik was simply pulling out the talking points from Ray Wynn Connell's book, mm -hmm. you know, pulling it out and putting it straight into the CMNI without studying, without getting a focus group to do anything, just, just putting it in there, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, crazy. But the well, Now, was is, Ray Wynn a clinical psychologist or what, do you know what Ray Wynn's background was? I think she was a clinical psychologist. The history is that uh, Ray Wynn Connell is actually a trans woman. Um, that so she, was born, she was born biologically as a male and then changed that uh, to become a trans woman. But, well, once you learn how horrible men are, why, why would you want to stay one? Yeah, that's <laughs> kind of what I've thought a couple of times about Ray Wynn. But it just does make me wonder that the person that most academics are trusting is someone who's got some confusion about their own gender you know it's like i mean it's, it's even worse than that to me I, and by the way I'm, I'm fine with trans people but this yes. is someone who was a man and disliked it so much that they transitioned to a woman and they're the expert on masculinity oh, no. how is that even possible i've been asking myself that very question carter thank you and i have to agree man I'm, trans people are fascinating and lovely you know, the, in fact, I don't know if you know or not, but a part of the research that I've done on understanding men and emotions comes from the writing of trans men. Hmm. There's this one fellow named, um, oh gosh, don't let me forget his name. I love this guy. Um, I'll have to look it up before we stop. It'll probably come to me. But he's a trans man who wrote a book on this transition. And he wrote a book about what happened to him when he took huge doses of testosterone. Which, oh, I remember you you saying oh, this. Yeah, Max Valerio. Max Valerio. Yes, yes. The, the book is titled "The Testosterone Files," and it's it's a great little book. But my interest in the book was the whole emotional side of things because I wanted to know what happened to Max emotionally from from being a biological female to then taking huge doses of testosterone and becoming male. And Max does not disappoint. Max is a very good writer, very articulate, and really describes a lot of the situations very clearly about what happened. 
And basically, um, Max says, uh-oh, women really have an advantage here because we can feel, we like to talk about it, and we can we can articulate our feelings when we're in the midst of feeling them. As a man now, I cannot do that. My tears have dried up, which we knew before that testosterone limits emotional tears. My tears dried up, and now when I have feelings, I can't even articulate what's going on. Wow. And that's right. got to be testosterone. Think about all the men I've seen in therapy over the years when in couples therapy, there's another female therapist. She says, well, what are you feeling now? And the poor guy will go, well, uh, uh, uh. he cannot articulate it. Just I've like been in Max couples therapy. Did. That's my absolutely. response. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not because there's something wrong with him. It's because there's something right with him. He's got this testosterone stuff that says, you're not going to be able to articulate this crap. You know? Yeah. And men need to know this. This needs to be in those damn guidelines. That yes, men are going to have a harder time articulating their emotions. So we need to give them special treatment. We need yeah. to give them safety so that when they're in that safety, boom, the stuff will come out. And that's exactly what happens. You know? Yeah. Because every you said Max actually was was uh changed his concept. He he was uh he thought like I don't remember the language, but he you know, men were kind of problematic before <laughs> and they were just kind of horrible people. And then he transitioned, well, took a bunch of testosterone, and was like, actually, this is just the way it is. Like yes. I, I can't actually access my feelings. Yeah, Max said something like, way. you know, I used to think that men were just these piles of unprocessed emotion that was just boiling over, ready to lash out because they're not dealing with their feelings. Mm -hmm. Then he says, I was wrong. Max yeah. really learned that men are very different in the way we process emotions. That's the kind of crap that needs to be in these guidelines, Carter. You know, Absolutely. It really, it Absolutely. really needs to be there because we need to love men for who they are. And they're not women, you know? Now, right. some of them are. Some men are very much like women, and that's okay. We need to love them for who they are, too. And some women are very much like men. But we need to take each person individually and be able to accept the way they are and to love them for who they are, you know? Yeah. And just to be right clear, now, we can't do that. Right. I'm sorry, I interrupted right. you. Right? No, no, no. That this is it's great. I mean, just to be clear, you're not arguing that it's 100% biological what it makes a male, no. and, and I've heard you recognize that there's definitely social yes. constructs here. Yes, but it, yes. it sounds like you're you're up against an entire industry that only sees the social constructs and is yes. is discounting anything biological. When I was on Division 51, if I would mention testosterone, they would immediately label me a biological determinist. Wow. Oh, wow. you're a biological that's determinist. I know, that's what I thought. I said, no, I'm just saying this is one factor. You know, and it is. Testosterone is definitely a factor, as we've talked about today already, and there's lots more out there. You know, the testosterone research in the last 10 years has been fantastic because they've shifted their whole thoughts away from the idea that testosterone is about aggression and violence, and now they're understanding that testosterone is about striving for status. Mm -hmm. Striving it's back for to the status. Jordan Peterson uh, dominance hierarchy. Yes, exactly. Basically. It is testosterone that fuels the hierarchy, yeah. you know, because it pushes the men and boys to strive for status. He wants to get higher and higher and higher, but that's not all it does. It pushes him to strive for status. It lowers his fear. It raises his ability to take risks, and it gives him something yeah. else that's really important. It gives him what they're calling threat vigilance. Mm. 
threat vigilance. What is that? This means that when someone comes up and challenges a man's uh, status, that he is more likely to respond because he's got this mm. threat vigilance stuff. It says, respond now. You've got to respond to that. Right. You've got to respond to that. And I've seen women for years scratch their heads. Why is he so defensive about that? Why is he such a big ego? Why can't he just let it go? It's biological, ladies. He, he's got this stuff in his blood that says you've got to respond. And think about it. People with people who are pretty smart, people who have uh, you know, a, a good capacity are able to dance around that kind of challenge thing. But people yep. who don't get into trouble, and that's where our violent crime comes from. Because you know, right, if you don't, if you lack the verbal acuity to get yourself out of that situation and and save face, you yes. may resort to fists. Yes, and there's all kinds of ways that men have been very creative in staying out of fights. You know, yeah. because every fight you've ever seen at a at a bar is usually related to hierarchy. You know, who's yeah. first, second, third, fourth? Oh, I'm bigger than you. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, no, I am. Boom. You know. Yeah. And so I, most I, men yeah. have been very creative and be able to sidestep that. But about 1% get in trouble every year. Huh? Yeah. That's a pretty good percentage, yeah. if you ask me. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Gary, you had a question? Uh, no, I was just going to share a joke you made me think of, uh, Tom. Oh, good. With, like yeah, when you're talking about this, uh, the trans man writer. I used to represent a, a trans comedian who was huh. biological female, became a man. And he had this joke about when he was on testosterone, like, I guess essentially flooding himself with testosterone. Yes, yes. Um, how he he got to where uh, you know he, he the whole stereotype about how men think about sex more often or they objectify women, what have you. How he would see a woman walk by and he his his testosterone brain would be like, "Look at her ass! Look at her ass! Look at her ass!" Yeah. But then but then his feminist brain is like, "Stop objectifying her!" Like, <laughs> how, could how could you even think that? Right. It's true though. I mean, if a guy you walk down the street and this very attractive woman comes by and you. You go, mm hmm. And there's a party that says, turn around, look, turn around, look, turn around, look. Now, 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 you'll miss it, you know? <laughs> it's true. It's true. You know, um, I, I have a question for you about um, violence as one of the traits because um, I just, I'm curious about what your thoughts are here. Violence to me is a very broad category. Not all violence is bad. We rely on men's ability to be violent in order to protect society yeah. and protect other people from. Uh, both the threats of nature and the threats of, uh, you know, outsiders wishing to do us harm. So it's weird to me that they throw violence in this category of like, it, it, you know, they're they're talking about like the aggressive initiation of the use of violence against innocent people. But they don't, they never list it as like, uh, they never talk about it as like, gee, it's a good thing that you can stick a rifle in a guy's hand and send him to Europe to kill Hitler. Like, that's, that's necessary. Yeah. Um I, is there any distinction there that you've ever seen or is it just, you know, violence, violence is the bad thing and that, and that's what men are yes. full of. I think that was kind of the assumption from the Mahalik piece was it wasn't about defending others. It was about just being violent for personal reasons, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, sad. We, we have a question from the chat um, asking you, do you, is there any way to get the guidelines changed and is there any precedent for how that would happen? Well, yeah, complain. You could complain to APA. I've already written a letter to uh, uh, the coming president of APA and, and told her what I think. And I would recommend everybody do that, you know? Okay. And I will get you her name and email uh, after we get off. 
Because I can't remember. Post it in the, I can't uh, remember. Yeah, yeah, because it's good and just as a layperson, it's great, man. They need to hear this. They need to, hear, and they're hearing a lot. They're getting a yeah. lot of feedback over this one, you know. But yeah. do not expect any change anytime soon. I mean, these people are locked in, and they're only going to double down, most likely. Um, I mean, according to what you've written here, it really was a long time coming. Um, and oh yeah, this has been going on uh, for years, 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 yeah. years. But people are yeah. starting to see it now because they've come out in the open with this guideline. And right. uh, although they've <laughs> they've had a, a conference for how to do therapy with men for every year for I think the past ten years, and and I looked at the at the program and I went, oh no, <laughs> you know that's oh no. Anyway, feed them a bunch of soy. Yeah, oh, give them soy. That's exactly right. <laughs> no bacon for you. So Tom, look, I know you've got a you've got a hard stop. I could probably have this conversation for another two hours, but uh, I want to respect your time. Uh, you know, any final thoughts before we let you go? Uh, messages to anyone? Uh, yeah, men are good. You know, we, we <gasps> need that's heresy. We need to hold that in our hearts that men are good that, because we have been bludgeoned with the idea that they are not. You know, the Division Fifty One ideas is there's something wrong with men, and now it's it's infiltrated into our educational system, into Hollywood, into the legislature, into every place you look, the media for crying out loud. This whole thing with men, there's something wrong with them. So wear your men are good hat. Where's mine? Where my men are good hat? <laughs> oh, yeah, you can get this at menaregood.com. I you saw this. It's one men are good hat. <laughs> it's probably, yeah, it's probably more triggering than, than a Make America Great hat. So you know, uh, that hat, I was curious what people would, how would they respond to it? And most people don't pay much attention, but some people will go and say, yeah, yeah. I've never oh, had great. any negative feedback. Of course, I'm kind of a good guy. I'd probably scare people, but, but yeah. Uh, well, you, know, you probably don't hang out with a lot of feminists, but maybe I probably not. Yeah, probably not. That's true. So, well, Tom, uh, again, really appreciate it. Uh, everyone, you can follow Tom at TR Golden on Twitter. Uh, you can go to menaregood.com. And, uh, and his YouTube channel, again, is the number one, Men Are Good, and the number one. Um, yeah, if you type Tom, in Men Are Good on YouTube, it'll pop up. All righty. This has good. been a really great chat, Tom. I really appreciate your time. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to hopefully chatting again in the future sometime. It's been a joy. We'll do it again. And thank you all very much for the work you're thank doing. Thank you, Tom. This is so important what you're doing, getting the word out, you know, getting it out. The more we can do that, the better things are going to get. So thank you guys for what you're doing. Well, thank you. We're, we're standing on your shoulders. So you're doing all the hard work. So oh, appreciate boy. It. I think we're probably standing on each other's, but I'm going to take off. You all take care. All right. Take bye care. Bye. Thank bye you. Bye. I really like it. All that. right. Yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty fun. Um, man, I, seems, I feel like there's so be, much we could. He would be a great therapist. Like I was like, ah, I want to open up to this guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, I don't remember where he's based, but if I, uh, if I need to go to therapy again sometime, which I, I did for a period in my life, uh, Tom's on my short list. He's a, my therapist actually, my main therapist actually died. So that was, uh, that wasn't good. It didn't help. So um, let's transition a little bit. That was, that was good. It was, uh, that was a lot. Um, but we also, we can't not talk about smug face um, this week. Oh I yeah. Feel like, and I face. know, um, I know you're you're fired up. Do you want me to play any clips for does everyone well, just to clarify what we're talking about. Carrie, why don't you give a quick overview 
of what what we're talking about and uh, and what makes you so angry. What made me angry this week? Well, I think most people, if they're online, since the type who are watching this podcast, they're familiar with this controversy. But in just the broad strokes, in case you're not, uh, this past weekend in Washington D.C., there uh, a controversy erupted because uh, there was this group of male Catholic students, high school students, who were in D.C. but not mostly all. white. Uh, who were in D.C. for the March for uh, Life, so which is the pro-life march, and which, funny enough, rarely ever gets any mainstream coverage. Uh, usually the only time I hear about in the mainstream is if they can somehow spin a negative story from it. Um, but it's a very huge march. I, I didn't know that in the past when I was in my little bubble. I had no idea it was so large. But anyway, these guys were there for um, the March for Life, and they were waiting to get picked up by their bus, they were supposed to meet at the uh, uh, outside the was it the Lincoln Memorial? Um, the mall. I think so. Lincoln yeah. Memorial. Yep. And so they were supposed to meet there at a certain time, and they they met there, and it was a big group. But so while they were there, there were two other things happening. There was a, a Native American Indigenous rights uh, uh, protest or assembly that was happening there as well, and there was also a group of Black Hebrew Israelites who were preaching. Um, at the mall. So the way that this story broke, it, it broke with a very short clip, an excerpt of a clip. And it was, I think the ones I saw that were pushing it at first, but man, it was all the mainstream media. It was, it, but the first I saw Washington Post and CNN and then ABC jumped in and, and then all the rest, um, the Guardian, et cetera. But the, the way they presented it was that an elderly Native American Vietnam vet was being horribly mocked and taunted and bullied by a group of white male uh, men wearing MAGA hats. And we can, yeah, we could start with that CNN clip. But, but, but so then here's what happened. Everyone went with this story. In the Washington Post, they interviewed the Native American activist. They got his side, but they didn't talk to the students. Um, they presented, it, it turned out a lot of what he said were lies. Um, he said that the uh, student got in his face. And so the clip that we see is him in the midst of this group. You don't know how it started or anything, but he's like, the student got in his face and um, approached him. And uh, first of all, he said, he's not a Vietnam vet that came out later. That's another right, lie. Right. Um, but uh, uh, they presented it as this sort of horrible story of white men, since we're talking about masculinity, white men uh, being this problem. And this is just, this is just a, a symptom of what's wrong with this country and with white boys, et cetera. Um, and so then you had this rush of celebrities and journalists, like all of these blue check marks on Twitter, just condemning these boys without waiting for any facts. Um, you had people like Alyssa Milano saying that the red MAGA hat is the new white hood for the KKK. And that until white boys learn to empathize, okay, as if white boys can't, don't know how until white boys learn to empathize with others that we're, our country's going to keep going on the tubes kind of thing. You had people like Kathy Griffin um, chanting, like begging for people to dox these kids to release their private information online, which ended up happening. Um, there was a, uh, a Disney producer, this blue check mark professional dude works in entertainment. He, he put out a photo of a wood chipper with, blood spewing out of it and said something like, you know, MAGA kids going face first into the wood chipper. So you had calls for death and violence against these kids um, from 
Kids is an operative word here, by the way. Kids is an operative word from mainstream celebrities, journalists, and congressmen. Um, so the kids ended up getting doxxed. There's actually, a, a, I didn't share this because I didn't want to put it out there, but there's a, a, a big image going around where somebody took the time to screenshot pictures, individual pictures of each boy in the video and has like numbers with their name and address and stuff. So they started, of course, getting death threats, harassment. They had to cancel yep. a day of schools because of um, threats to the safety of these kids. Um, but what ended up happening well, and the school, was uh, disowned them at first. The school, uh, you know, condemned right. them just like everyone else at first. Their right. initial reaction was our students are horrible, basically. Right. And and people were pushing for this kid to be expelled. And um, here's something that I thought was interesting about it, which I wanted to comment on. So a lot of my conservative friends b believe the story at first as well. And again, if you if you if you just look at the way they presented it, of course, your heartstrings are going to be pulled for this Native American elder Vietnam vet who's being bullied by these kids. And so what I saw was I actually saw conservatives who were chastising their own side or criticizing their own side and saying, hey, this is wrong. And that was interesting to me because I don't see that on the left very often. So I, I was like, wow, that's a big difference. They actually try and rein in something that they view as inappropriate um, that the, the view is on their side, but inappropriate. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and I really don't see that on the left. I mean, maybe maybe in the past, maybe things have just changed in the past five years or so. But I don't see people on the left. They they double down. They don't they don't rein in their side that often. So anyway, that was Ever. interesting to me. Yeah. And so then a lot of um, a lot of the the actual video came out. There was a, almost a two hour, like an hour and forty five minute video that came out of what ha of context of what actually happened. And it turns out everything the media was saying was almost a fabrication with all of it. Like the uh, the group of black Hebrew Israelites. Um, well, let, let's roll the CNN clip. Yeah, let, let's it. play some stuff here because, um, <laughs> and, and I, I know I just wanna, before we play this, this clip, I, I just wanna say, you know, kind of, cause I think maybe a lot of people had the, a similar reaction. I first heard about this um, and my first reaction was like, oh, damn high school kids, you know, you're like, you know, uh, making it bad for everyone by misbehaving. Like I was, I was annoyed, but then I saw the video and the, the weird thing, I saw the original, just a little clip, but even that little clip struck me as odd because they were saying he's taunting and harassing and mocking and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't see any of that. I saw him standing there with kind of a smug face, but whatever, standing there and kids around kind of like dancing, but I didn't see with my own eyes or here with my own ears, all of the things that they were, all the all the adjectives that they were using to describe what was happening mm -hmm. didn't even show up in that little clip. I was like, well, I don't, I don't really know the context, but all I see is a guy pounding a drum and a kid standing there smiling. Like, I don't, I but don't see, see him doing anything. But you're thinking um, critically and people are being told the context. This is what the mainstream media does. They often don't, I've noticed this in the past few years. If they're talking about a video, something that happened, they don't show you the video. They tell you what happened. You know, they, right. they don't let you hear it from the source. If they're criticizing someone on the right, like Ben Shapiro or what have you, they won't include the video clip they're talking about. They'll tell you what he said and they tell you what to think. And so they were right. telling people the context. And then when you watch that clip, I, I thought that, wow, these really rude, obnoxious kids, why, how could they do this? You can project what you're being told to project or whatever you want to project 
whatever your biases are onto that kid's face, onto his smirk. Because now that I've watched it from other angles, it doesn't even look like a smirk to me anymore. He looks like he's nervous and he's trying to smile and trying to figure out what to do. Because yeah, I mean, I can imagine, look, I, you know, we're all in high school. I can imagine you're on a field trip in high school, you know, out in the big city and there's these very confrontational people around you. Like you just kind of want to diffuse and like, I'm just going to smile and stand here. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know what to and, do. I'm afraid to start anything. The native American guy walked into their group beating the drum. So the whole yeah. narrative was wrong. He went right into their midst and he went right, this kid didn't come into his face. He went to this kid's face and then he's right. beating so, so the drum in the face. Okay. Yeah, let's play, the, let's play the original clip as broadcast by and talked about by CNN, which is a great representative <laughs> mainstream media. So hold on here. You're hearing from a Native American elder and Vietnam War veteran speaking to CNN after a disturbing viral video shows a group of teens harassing and mocking him in the nation's capital. Here's the video sparking outrage on social media right now. Nathan Phillips was beating his drum and singing an American Indian protest song. And this was on Friday on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial when he saw a clash erupting between a group of teenage students and four African-American young men preaching about the Bible and oppression. <laughs> so <laughs> preaching about the Bible and depression, this is, can, can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I can hear you. I, I wanted a second just, to get my own video back. Okay. Yeah, I, can I wanted you to stop it there because that part just cracks me up. And it, it's so, I mean, just, it, it's, it's so representative of how they lie. They, they characterize the, uh, black, uh, protesters, the Israelites as, uh, as, as four African-American young men preaching about the Bible and depression. Uh, if you actually go and watch the video, these guys were there for almost two hours insulting the Native American activists, um, talking about how they worship totem poles and this is why God took the land away and gave it to the white man, um, getting into confrontations with them essentially. Um, and then turning their attention to the students who've kind of amassed waiting for their bus and calling them uh, all kinds of racial slurs, calling them dusty crackers, calling the one black student, the N word, calling him uncle Tom. Uh, they call them blue eyed faggots. They call them, I mean, all manner yeah, of it's things. Horrific. Incest yeah, and, and children. Yeah. I, so I wrote down some of the ones that I saw or heard. Yeah. They, they call them a bunch of incest babies, a bunch of babies made out of incest. They were like, this is what makes, this is what make America great looks like. If it's the best nation, why can't y'all get rid of lice season? If y'all the best nation, get rid of that damn lice on your back. Um, mm -hmm. Then, so the kids actually, the high school kids started doing kind of cheers to kind of, their school cheers, not back at the other group, just kind of probably in kind of self-defense, like let's just kind of focus on our school cheers and trying to ignore these guys. So then they were yelling, goddamn dog, get rid of your lice at them. Um, they they made fun of uh, one of the guys dancing and told them to put a bra on and and um and then they wouldn't when the Covington kids tried to shake hands with them they wouldn't shake hands um they're like I'm not going to keep your shake your hand step back keep your distance I mean the 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 black Hebrew Israelites uh, were despicable their behavior was abominable now it should be legal I'm not saying that yeah it's you know, they should totally be allowed to do that I'm that's fine but. If you're talking about rude, horrible behavior, you start there. And and these high school kids were separated from them by some distance. 
And this Nathan Phillips guy, who turned out to be a liar, uh, and 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 has a history of being a leftist activist, walks in with his drum to try and basically provoke the the high school kids. And and then and then this one kid, Nick Sandman, gets in trouble basically for not moving, for smiling, but not stepping aside for this guy. Right. And he's viewed as the racist oppressor because this jerk with a drum comes in and drums in his face and acts like, you know, he should be given the rite of passage because he's some fucking old guy from an Indian tribe, which I just think is appalling. And I right. know I'm supposed to say Native American, but whatever. But Sorry, he, Native American are, tribe. But whatever, that's not he, that's he, not a reason to step aside. He also, I mean, he lied. He said the kids got in his face, which they didn't do. He got in their face. And I saw people, I had arguments with people about this for days. It really made me angry because even after the, the full context came out with the full video, I had people arguing with me. This one guy's like a white guy, a white woke SJW guy. It's like uh, the drum is a sacred symbol and and you don't get to comment on this because you're not from that culture. I'm like, dude, I'll comment on whatever I want to comment on. And I'm not arguing the, the drum. The smile is, is a sacred white symbol. So you don't get to comment on. <laughs> you don't like, get to what, comment what on. <laughs> doesn't but, but the thing is like, it doesn't matter what the drum is a symbol of. It's how he's using it. I do not believe for a second he was using it to pray and to try and intercede, like he said, he was trying to put himself between the two groups. Why didn't you go beat that drum and pray with your sacred symbol in the face of the black protesters? Why'd you do it to the kids? So you chose which direction to go. And and you can hear in the video, the black protesters cheering him on. They're glad he's getting up there and getting in the face of these kids. Yeah, and, yeah, they uh, are. And, and the sacred symbol, I'm like, it, it's how it's used, man. It's like, so I could beat a person with a Bible. It's I'm still beating them. You know, I'm still right. using and, and the sacred symbol. Like, the fact that someone call, thinks something is sacred doesn't mean you have to respect it as sacred. Like, I'm not that religion, so it's not sacred to me. So I don't give a shit. Like, right. I don't have. You don't have to respect everyone else's idea of what's sacred. Mm -hmm. Um, like it can you can but, to but be also, polite, but it doesn't. You're not, you're, you're not disqualified from talking about something just because you're not the religion. Right. And be, and it, and just because it's a sacred symbol doesn't mean that every way in which a person, any person ever uses it is sacred. No. I'm like, look at right. the context. I have my own eyes. I can see what he's doing with that drum. And I don't believe his story that he's interceding. And I don't have to believe that story. And um, uh, so I had a, yeah, I got, I got pretty angry. And I, when I saw the, um, just the compilation, just the, just immense hatred coming from, again, these professional journalists, celebrities, congressmen. I don't see that kind of vitriol from from that level of it and that from, uh, I would say, like verified, professional, well-respected people on the right. So someone else was saying to me, well, there are people not. on, the, yeah, there are people on the right who uh, post death threats and hatred and all this. I was like, yeah, most, it's like the wackadoodles. Nobody, <laughs> it's not. No blue check left. mark. No one who's writing for the national review is doing that. Right. That's right. Just not, yeah. Right. On the left. Or the daily the caller even. Right. Yeah. So we, on the left, we've let the wackadoodles run the asylum. They're the wackadoodles are in the media. They're the celebrities. Like they're the, the people who are posting this kind of hatred and death threats and stuff are, are well-respected. They're verified Twitter members. And, right. and then, and then we all know how Twitter censors wrong think and anything that steps outside the SJW bounds. And um, so a lot of people, conservatives started uh, reporting some of the death threats and stuff like the wood chipper guy and uh, only to hear back from Twitter that these death threats and didn't violate their terms of service. And so 
it's perfectly fine to threaten horrific violence against these kids. Um, but you know, we all know the instances of people being kicked off Twitter just for just just for saying like a man is a man <laughs> or <Right>. man. <laughs> so. Right. Right. In fact, um, I, I interviewed uh, Bosch Faustin the other day, who was suspended from Facebook for saying only Hitler is Hitler. Yeah. Just like, I don't, who, how's that controversial? No idea. But uh, suspended. Um, but he so but he could threaten death against these kids. That's cool. He actually has he, he in his case actually he has numerous, probably hundreds of death threats against him um, for drawing Muhammad. But hmm. those people don't get kicked off. He gets kicked off for saying. Uh, only Hitler's Hitler. That's a separate issue, but like yeah. the, the the censorship is is crazy on on Twitter and Facebook, and it's clearly leftist. So so this was bad enough. So the 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 left jumped on this. They ran with this narrative that was constructed uh, and false. Um, do you want me to play any the the other video at all or no? Well, just to show people what we're talking about, that just that short clip of the uh, the black uh, protesters. Um, okay, let me. I'll, I'll play this other this. clip. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna play a few seconds, not two hours. So hold on. That's fake America great again. A bunch of child molesting faggots. That's right. Just like your damn Donald Trump. So that's There's nice. There's a lot of that, and that all of this happened before the uh, before uh, the activists decided to get in the face of the kids. Um, I have I have a few more thoughts on this. So one, okay, here's the adults in this story on every level. I feel like should be ashamed of themselves. So you you have adult activists behaving this way. You have an adult who gets in the face of these kids and bangs a drum. You have an adult who goes on the mainstream media and lies about them. You have adult journalists who put the lies on the air and choose to uh, misrepresent what's happening. Oh, there's just a couple of uh, four black young black men preaching about the Bible and oppression. Right. No, you, that's you not picture, what's happening. You picture like Mormons with literature in their hand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So adults lied about it. Adult journalists lied about it. Adult celebrities and um, media figures and stuff wish death on these people and call for them to be doxxed. Adults doxxed these kids, put out their private information. Adults threatened and harassed these kids um, with violence and death. Uh, every step of the way, the adults, I feel like, should be ashamed. And yet we've all focused on these kids. And it's sort of like, uh, I was talking about it with some lady friends last night. It's, uh, you have this group of kids, right? You introduce an element of crazy into the group. Okay, so this guy comes in banging the drum <laughs> and right. then and then we're all judging the response to crazy being introduced into a system do you know what i mean like you got this right. group contained group right crazy gets introduced people react in ways that are not necessarily the best way but they're reacting to crazy being introduced so it's like and we're judging the reaction right. we, we yeah can, and they we, probably we feel ignore. threatened they've been harassed for for a while at this point um and this guy's clearly confrontational mm -hmm. right um so he comes in and beating a drum confrontationally. And for the most part, their reactions are kind of normal. Like some of them are trying to make like join in. When he first comes over, they start dancing to the beat that he's yeah. doing. They're like, okay, we'll join in with your craziness. Now we're on the same side. See, it's like it's a that's a, an olive branch to him, mm -hmm. right? Um, but uh yeah, and of course, frankly, uh 
he deserves to be chastised. So, and even if they did mock him and make fun of him after that, he deserves it. He came in to confront them by beating a drum. Beating a drum is not an argument, first of all. And second of all, it was none of his freaking business. He came in, he started beating a drum in their face, and we're supposed to, the only acceptable reaction, according to the media, is because they're white boys, mostly white, I guess uh, a couple black kids, but mm -hmm. the only acceptable reaction is to like what? retreat and genuflect before some you know old lying guy who says he's a vietnam vet but isn't and uh is like some crazy activist who beats a drum for an argument that's not a thing like yeah. that's not that's we don't need they don't need to respond any way different than they did and even after this this so so that's that's all that happened and then then the let's carry now let's switch and talk about what happened after the truth was revealed because you know they they went with this narrative okay the blue check mark said a bunch of horrible things they're bad horrible people Alyssa milano is a horrible 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 person horrible individual fine we know that about her but they're operating off of a narrative that's wrong what did, did the narrative get corrected what happened when so the information came out about the real context so it i was wondering if it was going to get big enough the pushback and the and the people on Twitter saying, "Wait a minute, where's here's the full video?" The first day the full video came out, it kept getting deleted. By the way, which I was wondering, is that a, yeah, Facebook Twitter deleted it? it a bunch of times. Um, yep. Yeah, it's like they didn't want us to see the full video, but it eventually got big enough that the mainstream media had to acknowledge it, and so they did issue some uh, corrections or follow ups, right? Um, but and then and then I saw like well meaning people, and especially some of the conservatives I know who had been who had believed. The first version and who had kind of used it as an example of how they need to rein in their side a little um like well-meaning people are like oh i got this story wrong right and and there were a couple of pieces like that that from that point of view of like we got the story wrong however the most committed sjw's it doesn't matter like i said they, they're never going to correct their side when when something is isn't it well, and, but you're also them. not talking about the fringe elements. When you say the most committed SJWs, still those blue check marks and writers yeah. for magazines like Slate oh, and still. real, like real mainstream media people. Oh yeah. So what? So like, what did Alyssa Milano say? Well, she her tweet was essentially like, "Well, let's remember that these guys were wearing MAGA hats, and that they were at a march to you know subjugate women and take women's rights away. So they're all about bigotry. This started from a place of bigotry." hold up, you can't pronounce these kids guilty. You can't call them bigots because they were at the March for Life and because they voted for president or they support the president that you don't. You know, like you have no idea. What's bigoted is you saying that because they they are at a pro-life march and they're wearing a MAGA hat, they're bigots. That's a bigoted belief. You know nothing yeah. about these kids. You're, ju yeah. you're judging an entire group of people. You have no sense of what you're talking about. And so so that's what that's what became uh, the doubling down started there. And actually, let me just read this tweet to you really quickly. Um, this okay. is a professional feminist, professional SJW, uh, who I'm trying to remember. I think I've met her a couple of times. Uh, uh, she's a writer. She's one of the you know professional journalists, SJWs. Amanda Marco. Her tweet is cannot be stated enough. Racist boys. Okay, so she's automatically called them racist. You have no 
reason to call them that. Right. Cannot there's be stated no, enough. There's no reason for that. Yeah. There's no reason for that. Cannot be stated enough. Racist boys were there for a rally calling for pregnancy to be used as a weapon to subjugate women. They were wearing hats celebrating a man who bragged about assaulting women. Their claims not to be bigots are preemptively nonsense. That's insane. Right. <laughs> like That's evil. Right. That is evil. But that's, you were, that is not uncommon. It's not uncommon. It's and that she's a blue check mark. She's a journalist. She writes for respectable news outlets. And Howard Dean, my former hero, retweeted that garbage, um, right. which I was talking to you beforehand. One of the saddest things about this whole thing to me personally is I I used to adore Howard Dean. And I started yeah. going through his Twitter feed and I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened to you? When did you become a crazy woke like yeah, I, I have to tell you, Carrie, it's what happened to you. <laughs> I, I, yeah howard dean has always been a crazy I, sea monkey or whatever the hell he's just a crazy but leftist but, uh okay but you I just had a crush on him when you were a social justice warrior <laughs> and you need to just accept it and uh and probably not talk about it so much because uh you're not going to get a lot of dates moving forward if uh, you start admitting that howard dean was on your short list Oh man. Well, just quickly, I know I've changed a lot, but no, he definitely has changed. He's there's a lot of people on the left who've become uh more like rabid SJW kind of the doubling down that's happening. They've gone further in that direction in the past 5 years or so or since Trump was elected and he's one of those people and that's really disappointing. I know I've changed, yeah. but he's changed. <laughs> and that's very sad. Fair. Howard Dean, Fair. what happened to you, Howard Dean? Uh He just took his mask off, Carrie. That's all he did. Right. Look, last night I was going through some old uh, stuff to give to get rid of, and I had my old Deaniac shirt, and uh, I had a I had one of the yellow Howard Dean book bags, <laughs> like the computer oh my God. bags. I know I was I was I used to write undecided. I wrote undecided voters in South Carolina like handwritten letters on cloud stationery about why Howard Dean was the best choice and why they should vote for him. Like I was so in. Anyway, wow. sadness. <laughs> no. The things that we do to waste time in our lives. Um, <laughs> Um, you have, I've said this to you before, but you've got a lot of evil to make up for. It's, it's I really apparently, apparently. <laughs> you have a debt to society. You're, you're paying back right now. Um, so look, so this narrative, so, so your point though, which, which is really important for people to understand, right? When the truth came out, they didn't <laughs> do most of the mainstream media did not do the respectable, honorable thing, which is we're sorry. We should have waited for the facts to come in. We mischaracterize these boys, blah, blah, blah. I mean, frankly, at this point, uh, it's unforgivable anyway, because this kind of stuff happens so often that you should know better than you should wait for the facts to come in. Like that's even I know that and I'm not a professional journalist. So they but nevertheless, they didn't do that. Uh, a large percentage of them just doubled down. And what has become now, the they just switched their narrative to um, look what he's wearing. He was asking for it. Which oh. sounds an awful lot like what you say about women who get raped. Um, yeah, now now do women in short skirts. So it actually was a yeah. guy who it, uh, I think he was a blue check mark. Yeah, who tweeted that? He was like, "When you put on that hat, you know what you want. What you want, you know what you're asking for, and you're going to get right. it." Right. So like, yeah, Whoa. exactly. Now do women in short skirts. Nice <laughs> yeah. job, guy. Um, and uh, so that that narrative, and as you pointed out, that they are they're doubling down on this weird like smug thing well he's smug smugness is like assault now like because he's smug they thought he looked smug and and you would you a face crime he said it was from well, orwell so from orwell from 1984 so i remain convinced that i mean i 
after Trump was elected, I saw a lot of articles and stuff in my, I was still really in the SJW world exclusively at that time, right after the election. Um, and they were all rushing out to buy 1984. I'm like, oh, we got to learn what it's going to be like in Trump's America. I don't think they read <laughs> 1984. I don't think they no. read it because you know what? It's, it's the, um, the conformity, the censorship, the culture of fear, um, the uh, blurring of the truth, the propaganda, the lies, it's coming from the left. So 1984 is very relevant right now, but not for the reasons you believe it is. Like, go read it. Uh, and, yeah. and he does have one of the new, new speak uh, terms in, in 1984 is face crime. And that's when your face uh, shows something they don't like. Like if you have the wrong emotion or feeling when watching a video or in the case of this kid, I mean, I thought it was very appropriate that the, the entire country indicted this kid because of a, a look on his face. Right. Where face crime. Face crime. And it, it's like what you, you said about Hello Kitty. Her creator said that she created her without a mouth so that you could look at Hello Kitty and project whatever emotions or feelings you wanted onto Hello Kitty. This kid's like Hello Kitty. Everybody's looking at him like, oh, it's smug, horrible. There's right, yeah. one blue check mark went on a whole tirade about that smirk. I know that smirk. Like, I hate that. I'm a victim of that smirk. And da, da, da. it's like, wow, lady, go do some open mic poetry. You're just like, you're, you're trying to put your whole past on this kid you're projecting it onto this kid because you it, that's your own stuff go you know yeah. um I, I had i one thing i wanted to say about this that to relate it back to sjw ideology and uh that i think is fascinating and infuriating is this in a conversation with some well-meaning people yesterday um they were and these are white female SJWs, or I would, or at least people who subscribe to a large part of the SJW ideology, right? So they were saying that um, that these kids, the, the boys, that their white male privilege uh, protected them in a way that wouldn't have happened if these had been black kids. And I'm like, <laughs> can you explain that to me? How do you see white male privilege operating here? Because honestly, if and by the way, there was one black kid and he got singled out for special taunting by the, the black protesters. Right. But um, as an Uncle Tom and whatever else Tom. they called him. Yeah. They called him mm -hmm. the N-word over and over. Um, but so so explain to me how these how white male privilege protected these boys because these boys were targeted by act adult activists, lied about on the national media by adults, doxxed by adults, threatened with violence, they were harassed by adults. Uh, plastered across the media as the face of white supremacy, right? Ma white male supremacy. So, so that's wow. What a privilege! To, and the thing is, they were they were targeted because of their race, because of their sex, and because of their MAGA hats. So, I don't see how white male privilege is operating to protect these kids at all. Like, what what kind of privilege is that? And if it had been black kids, um, I I. I would uh, argue that they would not have become a national news story that if, if, if it had been mostly black kids who were standing there enduring racial taunts from a group of white protesters um, and then standing there stoically as a adult banged drums in their faces, like they, they would not have become maligned the way they were in the national media. You would not have seen journalists lying about them. They would not have been called racist and sexist and, and all kinds of names. They would not have been targeted for harassment and doxing and, and death threats by adults in the, in journalism. And, it would have and, been you know, treated rightly as victims of, of, of hate. Yes. They would have been immediately treated as 
like stoic, like civil rights heroes. And so I'm like, but, but explain to me to the, these, these women, I was like, explain to me how you see white male uh, privilege protecting these kids. And so their response was that, no, if these had been black kids, uh, they probably would have been tear gassed or shot and killed or thrown in jail. And I'm like, wow. Okay. So I don't believe that's true at all, that that would have happened. Um, but we don't even have to guess what would have happened to a group of black protesters because there was a group of black protesters there. Uh, the black Israelites did not. And they were involved in this. They and they were like involved. The yeah. Yes. And they were involved and their behavior was much worse than these kids. And they were instigators. They did not get shot and killed. They did not get tear gas. They did not get thrown into jail. They did not get lied about on the national press. They did not become the, the target of doxing and harassment and threats uh, by the national media. They None of the things that happened to these kids happened to them. In fact, the mainstream media and SJWs have mostly ignored the fact they were there. They cut them out of the first yep. video they showed. So don't yep. don't talk that. I wanted to point that out because that's what the SJW ideology does to your brain. It rots it. Like you're putting your ideology first and you're putting truth down here. And yep. you're not able to see the truth because like Tom was talking about earlier, you're wearing these ridiculous blinders that tell you white male privilege is a thing and it operates everywhere and all the time. I don't see white male privilege operating here at all, but you of can't, you can't think for yourself because you're, you're being told everything you say has to be filtered through this ideology of male privilege and white privilege and bad guys and good guys. And like, I, this is what makes me angry Carter. I'm like, you are sacrificing yourself and your thoughts and your ability to think rationally for this ideology. And I know it's comforting to have this. I used to bully, I used to subscribe to this ideology. It's comforting. It relieves you of the burden of thinking for yourself. And everything is more simple. It's like there's good guys and bad guys and we have all these neat little categories. And so these kids are white and they're boys. They check off two oppressor categories. Therefore, right. they're the bad guys here, period. I know that's right. simple and easy, but it is wrong and it is evil. I'm not saying you're evil for believing that, but that is evil. No, and that makes me evil, they're, they're not evil. My friend is not evil. She's not evil, but she's pushing an evil belief system. But she's intellectually dishonest, which yes. is um, which which is a I think intellectual dishonesty is a lesser variant of evil. It's uh, it's like pickpocketing instead of pickpocketing instead of murder. But it's still it's still a level of of wrongness, right? Being intellectually dishonest is is not something that's neutral um, no. morally. Uh, so I, yeah, I mean, and I don't know. I, the, the point, the point that you made that like, we can see how they would treat black males, like, because they were there, um, you know, really underscores this inability for, for their, for any of these people on the left, including most of the mainstream media to have any sort of objectivity. And, um, you know, no wonder they're losing their credibility. Uh, I think average people are starting to wake up and see, like, why should I believe anything the media says when this is how they report this kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. um, it's just dishonest. I don't it's have a better dishonest. word for it. No, it's it just is dishonest. And it hateful. Is dishonest. It's dishonest and hateful because they were picked on. Let's be clear. It wasn't white male privilege. Um, it was white male discrimination. They were yeah. picked on because they were white men. That's why they were picked on. Um, and all the left did was look at the color of the skin and the gender of the people involved, and they picked the people lowest on the social justice hierarchy and blamed them. That's what they did. Yeah. Um, but see, they've been, they've been brainwashed into this ideology, like we've talked about in previous episodes, of believing, because they've bought into these new attempted redefinitions of the term sexism and racism, 
they've been taught it's impossible to be sexist towards men or impossible to be racist towards white people. And so because they believe that malarkey, um, frankly, they, they're unable, it, it's not rational. There's no logic there, but they believe it. It's an, it's an incredible amount of faith and it, and it is, yeah. and it is brainwashing. And so, no, my friend is not evil, but she's been brainwashed. She's bought into certain tenets of this belief system and it is, it is intellectually dishonest, but she's also deceiving herself. Like that's a, it, when I believe yeah, it's not healthy for stuff, her either. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When I preach that stuff, I was, I was self deluded. I was deluding. I was, lo I locked my brain up in a cage and I went out and preached the tenets I was supposed to preach. And I would have been like her if I were still in that belief system. I would have been trying to twist this around and force it through my ideology so that I could attempt to try and articulate it in a way that made sense. Cause that was my yeah. job. I felt, you know, to try and make sense of this belief system in the face of truth. Yeah. But, and look, I think that the real red flag here for, um, for finding people that are really avoiding thought is, is people who didn't change their position. Like I can be angry at the people who jumped on. Right. Um, and, and piled on these kids and called them a bunch of names. But then when, the, when the truth came out, retracted at some point, I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I, I was wrong. Oops. You can respect that. Cause they changed their position. Um, they, they indicated that like, they're willing to kind of self-criticize and be like, okay, this is what I thought before that narrative turned out to be wrong. Reality is more important than my ideology. I'm going to, I'm going to say oops on this one to some degree. Mm -hmm. um, but the number of people who didn't say oops at all and just doubled down, those are the people, those are the red flags, right? Those are the people that, you know, aren't thinking. They aren't thinking. They've got their eyes closed mm -hmm. and their ears shut and they're just having temper tantrums and they're not thinking. Um, and I don't know if you can reach those people at all. I, I don't, I don't know that they're reachable. I think they're just, they just need to be, people just need to start ignoring them because they're, they are they're, ideologically. Their, their opinions are worthless. Yeah, they're ideologically possessed. I mean, that's a that's a phrase I've heard probably Peterson yeah. and others use, but but they it's it's like they are possessed by the belief system. It's like that Carl Jung quote about uh people don't have ideas, ideas have people. They, they their ideology has them. They they are puppets for they are mouthpieces for this belief system. And yes, I, the ideology supersedes everything else, including their own principles, including truth. You know, it's it becomes the most important thing, and that's that's their god. That's what they serve is this belief system. That is their that is their master. And yeah. yeah. uh, Girisha, uh, Girisha Jean in the chat um, says that uh, is complaining that like sometimes people will default to the middle ground even if you try and correct them and they'll just kind of say the quote uh, is no I haven't watched the video but I think that the truth is probably somewhere in the middle right and and that's <laughs> just um, that's just laziness and cowardliness yeah. right because yeah. frankly it you know it is scary to realize that I mean what you did. Um, I'll, I'll say switching sides, but like distinct, like giving up the SJW ideology, um, stopping drinking that Kool-Aid, um, and thinking for yourself is scary and having an opinion that might be viewed as, uh, contrary to what your, the friends around you have is a scary thing to do. And it is confrontational. And I think the, the middle ground is just a, that's just someone signaling that they're too afraid to have confrontation in their life. They're trying to please everyone. And they, they, they're, you can ignore them as well. Cause they, they have no influence on anyone. They're just, they're the person who just tries to make everyone feel happy and they don't have, an, they don't have a well thought out opinion and they don't have any influence.
Yeah, well, I tend to think nowadays, and the way I look at things now, that when somebody says, when they preface an opinion with, I didn't read it, but, or I didn't watch <laughs> it, but, I don't need to hear anything you have to say, dude. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, right. go watch it, and then you can still disagree with me, but you will have watched it, and your opinion will be based in something. If you're like, I didn't watch it, I didn't read it, but... You're about to tell me you're about to tell me something that's not truth. You're about to tell me either somebody else's opinion, you're about to regurgitate someone else's opinion that you read in op-ed or what have you, or you're about to just spout some nonsense that you're so disconnected from truth at that point. It's like, um, go read it or watch it, or at least qualify it with I don't have an opinion on it because I, I I haven't done the research, right? Like I mean, that's I don't cool. know yet. You could I say don't I don't know yet. yet. I haven't looked at it yet. Yeah, right? I don't know. Um, which is, you know, which is why I think it's just why maybe the, the news media has a hard time doing this, right? When, when this story was happening, I was doing other stuff in my life and I didn't have time to like sit down and, and look at it and write an article and, and sort through anything. Um, I basically had time to like do one tweet a couple days later. That's all the time I had to devote to it for a while. And, uh, so I just didn't say anything about it. Right. Um, but if you're in the news media and you're worried about, uh, being the first to quote break news, um, then uh, you kind of feel like you have to say something right away. You've got to present it right away. The more sensational it is, the better. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I don't know, Carrie. Maybe we're moving away from an era. Maybe we should be moving in a way away from an era where breaking news matters and correct news is more important than breaking news because news breaks all the time. It's on YouTube and Twitter. Like things are always out there before CNN can get a hold of it. Maybe what companies like CNN should be focusing on is saying like, hey, we know the story's out there. We'll report on it when we have the facts, right? Yeah. Of course, that's not what they want to do. They're but. never going to do that because they, right. they know that clickbait sells. And I mean, look right. how big this story was for them. This story was huge for them. Even with the embarrassment, we would hope it was embarrassment of having to retract things or correct things, they would do it again. And they didn't yeah, learn they their lesson because a couple days ago, some girl on Twitter, I don't know if you saw this, some girl released a seven second video and she said I was in DC and I'm tired of uh like these corrections that are happening making the Covington kids look like they weren't the bad guys because they were and I interacted with them and they yelled at me and here's a video did you see this so, I didn't see this no. so this is a a girl who so she released a seven second video again were they start, bad guys in this video yeah Perhaps, but we don't know what happened before. Once again, it's she's oh. walking away from them and they're screaming at her, make America great again. And she's screaming MAGA, you know? And I'm like, how am I supposed to put this in context? I don't know what happened before. It's seven seconds, right? What What does the news right. media do? Picks it up, retweets it. The Covenant boys were uh, yelling stuff at this girl. Uh, supposedly they called her slut, which you can't hear in the video. Um, they again, they're, they're, they ran, they didn't learn the lesson at all. They took a seven second out of context video. They took this person's word for it and then started running with it as truth. And I think it had like a hundred thousand retweets in one day, you know, people putting the story out there and I'm just like, no, they're not going to learn their lesson. They're always going to run with the salacious thing that gets attention. Right. And they don't um, care. And they, they, they pick care. the salacious things that, that fit their narrative and their social justice view of the world. Yeah. Um, so those are the, those are the, the salacious narratives they run with. And those are the things that they, and, and, you know, and frankly, they, they justify it to themselves. I mean, cause I've heard reporters say this, well, we, we issued a correction. It's like, yeah, but you know, your original thing had a million views and your correction had 10,000 views. Yeah. So <laughs> like damage yeah, done. 
damage right? done. Like yeah. correct yourself so you don't do it in the future. Don't just say, well, we issue corrections. It's like that's not a uh that that doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. Uh so. I'm just looking up because some somebody pointed this out and I had forgotten about this story, of course, because it wasn't a huge deal in the mainstream media at the time. But uh, they were kind of comparing the reaction to these white male kids just standing there and not really reacting and how the over the top reaction and condemnation of these kids and all the horrible things said about them and how much media play it got compared to a couple years ago. Do you remember in Chicago, uh, the black teenagers who kidnapped the mentally ill white guy and and tried to scalp yes. him on Facebook yes, Live? I remember that. Yeah, and they that were saying. Horrible. And they were saying racist things. I mean, they tortured him on Facebook Live, and they were yeah, saying yeah, they tortured him on Facebook Live, mm -hmm. and they did try and scalp him, and it was they were extremely racist towards him. They were, and I think they even called him a Trump supporter. I think they used oh yeah, uh, I think they, they did, but he was like mentally retarded or something, right? Yeah, he was. And so when that happened, I remember, and there was also around the same time a video of uh, a a group of two or three black people attacking a white guy and pulling him out of a car and beating him and, and calling him a Donald Trump supporter. I remember Those that as things, well. Yeah barely got play in the mainstream media and when they did they all came, they all it's like they're little soldiers they are they're so professional sjw so you have people like sean king who are blowing this story up and talking about the face of white supremacy and what have you um and when stories like that came out he's doing the opposite he's like the media focusing on this is white supremacy do you know what i mean like it's like trying to right. make this out to me <laughs> right this isn't representative and so they downplay it it barely gets any attention but just look at the difference in outrage of two different stories like that and the way that that we've convicted these kids or we were so quick to convict these kids in the court of public opinion because of their race and their sex and their political opinions versus not wanting to touch or talk about actual crimes <laughs> that were committed right i mean uh, yeah one's a, a heinous I've, violent savage act and the other is a smirk yeah um Where, and, and this yeah. is racially motivated over here but mm -hmm. because we've been convinced you can't call that racism oh let's not touch it so yeah it's you know um keith keith points out in the chat uh he says on the issue of on this issue one side is right and one side is wrong but the middle is always evil he's paraphrasing ayn rand uh, i think the quote actually keith is uh ah crap it's something about poison. I don't remember, um, but it's something about uh, poison and food and like uh, something about like a little bit of poison is the same as law. I don't remember what it is, but yeah, mm -hmm. it's a good quote. Someone else is asking you, how do we reach them? Carrie, Laura is saying, Carrie, how do we reach these people? Well, uh, I saw somebody responded, said, spread the podcast. Yes, please <laughs> spread our podcast. I, I mean, the point of this podcast as it's, it's evolving, I think is for us to try and make sense of this belief system for not just ourselves, but for people who are still in it, if they're open to listening. Um, people who believe some of these tenets, but are not evil, who are not the ones with bad intent, maybe they'll listen and, and something will, will, will explain it in a way that they haven't heard before. Like why, why the whole redefinition of power plus prejudice is wrong. Maybe they'll it'll get through. I don't know. The other thing I'm trying to do with it is just like, we want to explain this ideology for people who uh, are just now coming into contact with it. Maybe their kids are in college and talking to them about some of these white male privilege and all these different um, phrases. And, and so that they're prepared and they know what it really is and what it, yeah, and what it's, it's not things, something to be ignored. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's being sold as something it's not. It's being sold as liberalism and it's being sold as anti-racism and anti-sexism. And it's not. It's the opposite of all those yeah. things. It's illiberal. It is sexist. It is racist. It is not what they're telling you it is. Um, right. So so I would say, yeah, spread, spread the podcast. But also just um, don't be afraid to don't be afraid to challenge people. I mean, I know everybody we do live in this culture of fear right now. It is coming from the left. Um, even as we were talking about with Tom Golden earlier, how people in that in that group of psychologists were messaging him privately and saying, hey, I agree with you and thank you for sticking up for men and boys, but I'm too afraid to support you publicly. Wow. So that that's happening right. everywhere. I get messages yep. from liberals like that all the time. I still do. They're like, oh, I love yep. this stuff you're sharing, but I'm too afraid to like it or share it. Um, I understand the fear. The fear is real <laughs> uh, that you could lose your job or lose friends or what have you. But do as much as you can then speak as much as you can because it the the more and and if you do so from a place of compassion or trying to have compassion like i have i'm really angry right now but uh but i still will try and stop myself like don't let yourself in these conversations if you, let's say you're trying to talk to an sjw don't let yourself engage in behavior that you think is wrong and that you would not want them to engage in. So if they start calling you names, don't call them names back. That's ridiculous. It's not going to go anywhere. I, make your behavior model what you would hope that they would they would be able to see the way that you're behaving is a better way of interacting. And sometimes you can diffuse it with them just by simply taking their abuse and not returning it. You can point out what they're doing. I do that all the time. Like I'm not a wuss. I'm like, oh, I see. Okay. Right. Ad hominem attacks. Great. You know, can you right. try addressing you what I said though? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. You're calling me names, but yeah. You can also ask questions, right? And sometimes if you're if you're kind of afraid to say that you disagree, you can kind of because because their system of belief falls apart if you just ask the right questions, right? So you can be like, well, why is that? And what about this? And what about that? And gee, I, you can kind of play dumb and be like, well, I haven't thought about it that way. But what about blah, 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 blah. And just like, if you can get them to start struggling and see contradictions, you know, maybe they won't change their mind on the spot, but maybe they'll kind of go think about it later and realize like, I don't really have a firm grasp on this. Like I thought I did, or maybe they'll be open to actually, you know, having a, a larger conversation at that point. I don't know. Um, well, research but, yeah. has shown that people, um, I'm trying to remember what the study was, but essentially it's, it's, it's people. Yeah. People with irrational beliefs when they're presented with counter evidence, double down on their irrational beliefs. That's the study Sometimes that that's one study. No, I'm thinking of something different though. Oh no. Okay. Um, I'm thinking of okay. So people always have a why, or it's much easier for them to have a why. Like, why do you believe that white male privilege exists? And and they'll just spout out whatever. But if you ask right. them how how things work, or how to end things, or how to sometimes it's harder for them because then they have to actually try and turn the wheels a bit. So I, I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly, but um. Huh. The, People have opinions and it's like, great, I know what your opinion is. Now explain, explain it to me. Like, uh, um, like you said, just at, just asking questions, but well, here's a great example. So someone who believes in open borders, right? And you ask them why, well, I believe in it because of, I'm compassionate. I believe anybody who wants to live here should be able to live here with no process. Whatever. So how would that work? And how, right. how many people should, should there be a cutoff or not? Like then they have to actually start thinking about how to implement these ideas that they right. have. And that's a little bit harder. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's great. Um, why is a great question to ask why and how are two great questions to ask. Right. And, and why and how, why, I mean, I think for a lot of people, why is actually 
their why is often rooted, whether they admit it or not, their why is usually rooted in some personal psychology, um, right? Like, why do you hate men? Because my dad left and he was horrible. Okay, well, I mean, that they're not going to say that outright, but that's, it's it usually amounts to some personal issue. Um, by the way, uh, Keith, I remembered the quote. It's because it's in a great quote. I, I was, I'm pissed that I flubbed it before. It's an awesome quote. It's um, in any compromise between good and evil, only death can win, uh, which I think is a, a beautiful quote. But I like that. Um, yeah. Um, so the other um, one other quick thing is when you if you do attempt to have these conversations online, again, just really keep your behavior in check and don't don't name call and don't engage in logical fallacies if you can help it. Because the other thing is a lot if you're if you're talking to a really committed SJW, like someone who, who is ideologically possessed that we talked about, um, it's almost more important for the people reading. It's not really even if you know you're not going to reach yeah. this person, there are people reading and I also get comments from people all the time who are like, who were just reading along and I had no idea. And they're like, wow, I really liked what you had to say there. You can win people who are maybe potentially going to be swayed by this belief system. If you argue against it effectively and calmly and with compassion, you will win those people. So even if you're yeah, talking yeah. to a zombie, <laughs> whatever, it's not very compassionate, but, but someone who's just checked out and they're just, they're, you're speaking to their ideology. You're not speaking to them. I do. They're possessed. Yeah. But, but there are other people who are starting to weigh some of these beliefs and maybe you'll reach those people. So keep that in mind. It's not really about that person you're talking to if it's online. Um, yeah, no, I, I was going to say uh, something very similar. I totally agree with you. It's mm -hmm. when you're having discussions in front of other people, um, it's not really about who you're talking to. It's about the other people that are watching. Um, and there are going to be a lot of creepers who are just sitting there watching and you have no idea they're reading your post. They're maybe not even liking it. They're not commenting on it but they're sitting there reading. And even if they never say anything to you, if if you just demonstrate, I've had this happen a lot of times where, you know, I have a, a conversation with someone who's rooted in their ideology and, you know, I, I let the conversation end um, at a point where I think that they've like demonstrated their craziness, right? And I just, I'll just let it go because I don't have time to keep arguing forever and I'm not going to win because they're, they're ideologues. But anyone coming along and reading and can like get to that point and says, gee, this person got crazy. Um, yeah. And, and you can just step they end up looking back. Yeah. Don't go, back. don't go tip for tap with them. Just step back because mm -hmm. after cart, like you're saying Carter, once they've demonstrated that craziness, it's like, you don't have to come back and suffer that abuse anymore. You can just walk away, be the bigger person. And one friend said once, which I love, sometimes I'll do this. <laughs> you can tell some people who they like, they like to get that, last word or whatever that shit, you know, when they want to be right. And um, I saw a friend once say, you know, he made his final point. And then he said, now go ahead, have the final word if you must. <laughs> and, of course, <laughs> and of course, the person had to have the final word and he never came back. I was like, oh, that's a great way to end it. If you want to bow out and be like, yeah. okay, go ahead, have the final word. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I, this has been a great show. Anything else we need to touch on? I think we, I think we did this well. I don't know what's up for next week, so or I would advertise it. But uh, yeah, I'm anything sure that we need to add, Carrie? Something will probably happen between now and then in the media. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, anything to add? Let's just end on Tom's message, which is: men are good. Men are not some illness that needs to be corrected. Um, men are good. All right. On that note, which I won't disagree with, uh, thank you for watching. You can follow us at Unsafe Show on Twitter. 
you can go to uh, unsafeshow.com. You can go to youtube.com slash unsafe space. Uh, Carrie, we've got what? A couple different Facebook pages. Um, we have a deprogrammed deep has a Facebook page. And, and unsafe uh, and space. Yep. So you can do that. So, uh, oh, also your favorite podcast app, just search for unsafe space and you can listen to audio versions of all these. So thanks for watching. Please, honestly, for us right now, the most important thing is just share, 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 share this content. We, we need to get more and more subscribers and get the message out. And uh, if you want to help out the show, that's the best way to do it. So thank you.